Welcome to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Ready or Not. My name is Tom Chick, and I'm here with Christian Minsky. Uh, I'm the brown-haired podcaster. I continue to exist. And with a Ready or Not tagline, Kelly Wand. Finally, a horror movie character named Georgie. I don't get that one. Get, give Kelly what? Wand, do a punchline I would understand, or a tagline I would understand. Finally, a horror movie with someone named Samara. Okay, I like that one. That's a Jeez. that's a little bit of an inside thing. How many people do you think would understand that one? Just us, if that. <laughs> uh, is there a third one for a more general audience? This one actually is just for you. I was going to get do one for Tom because he's not going to understand the names. Sweet. Ready or not, it's actually true of most activities in most games. You know, there's no like if the player's ready. Uh, yeah, okay, I like that. That look good on a poster. The technicality <laughs> explanation. Uh, well, Dingus, what are we talking? What movie is Kelly Wan talking about? Well, that's this- always the question. This week we saw Ready or Not, a 2019 American horror movie about family shit. It was directed by Matt Bettinelli Gilpin or uh, Olpin, sorry, and Tyler Gillette. It was written by Guy Busick and Ryan Murphy. It stars Samara Weaving, Adam Brody, Mark O'Brien, Henry Cherney, Andy McDowell, and Nikki Guadagni. Ready or Not is rated R. What? Come on, it shouldn't be. It should be PG-13. Why would they rate this movie rated R, Dingus? Oh, it's rated R for violence. Bloody uh, images. Oh, yeah, go on. Blood images. Mm-hmm. Uh, language throughout. Mm-hmm. And some drug use. Hmm. Kelly Wan, do you concur? Well, that's horseshit. I would say uh, improper uses of a dumbwaiter, not enough kids killed on screen, some smoking, hot blondness. Those are good. No, no I, I, those are very good. I, I, I'm glad that you got those out there, Kelly Wan. Those are important for the parents to know. And you're a parent when you listen to that, when I say things like uh, ready or not, I'm just now looking this up because I forgot to do it before we recorded. It got a uh, shoot. Where did it go? Hold on. Ren- shoot a monkey, Tom. It got a B plus. Eh, huh. right. What? For a, for a horror movie, that's great from CinemaScore. It is. Yeah. Uh, that B it, was bad. It's like well, it is for a real movie, but for a horror movie, that's pretty good. Horror movies get D's and C's, Kelly Wand. What? I thought yeah. they get even higher grades because you get well. It's... On Rotten Tomatoes, 88 percent of the reviews are positive. On Metacritic, uh, 63 is the average rating from various reviews. Uh, and as far as its opening weekend, uh, let's check. It made uh, $8 million. So, uh, yeah, could it, I mean, it's, that's about what you'd expect from it. It was number six on its opening weekend. Yikes. Here are the movies that made uh, more money than Ready or Not. <clears throat> In order. Reverse order. Lion King. Hobbs uh, and Shaw. What? Overcomer. Oh, yeah. Remember? Yeah, a Christian movie. Uh, Good Boys, starring Jacob Tremblay, and Angel Has Fallen in its opening weekend. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, ready or not? Okay, sorry. It's number Uh, six? Hmm. Number six, yeah. It was America's sixth favorite movie that weekend. Yeah. Uh, So, Kelly Wand... I would like you, for the folks that maybe haven't seen it and wonder what happens in this movie, why don't you tell them with a ready or nopsis? Good, Tom. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I practiced. Huh. Did someone hand that to you? (laughs) All right. I had an intern do it. I don't know. That was awful quick for you. All right. (laughs) Ready or nopsis, Tom. Well done. Very impressed. And just remember what you've learned. Maybe it's just an easy one. I can't remember the other ones. Ready or Nopsis. A kid in a mansion hears farting from inside a wardrobe. He opens it and a guy in a tuxedo falls out. Beside me, Mr. Glass is all. Glass and Gerard! <laughs> Georgie, you gotta help me. They're trying to kill me. The pre-credits extras in here. Some rich people wearing masks come in and shoot the tuxedo guy with crossbows. Beside me, Satan's all. Wait, what ritual is this? 
Some words are all 30 years late, sis. Beside me, Pennywise is all, Oh, great, two time periods. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Samara Weaving. Now your dicks will get hard whenever you look at Elrond. Suck it. <laughs> You're me boyfriend, Kenny. Let's get married today. Who are you on hold and catch fire? Yes, by the way, my family's weird. I don't care that you're rich, by the way. A dynasty of board game manufacturers, it could happen. I love you for your personality. Yes, by the way, my family's weird. Kenny's relatives say funny things to each other and to Samara. During the wedding ceremony, Samara notices an old woman with upside-down white hair glaring at her from the front row. <laughs> Kenny, who's the stiff? Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. My grandma's Grace Jones. Um, as I was saying, I now pronounce you man and wife. Wait, am I a Satanist? Wedding music plays. Later. Hi, Samara. I'm Andy McDowell. Can y'all believe they dubbed this voice when I play Lady Greystoke? Yeehaw! Wow. <laughs> Kelly One, I love that I think Walton Goggins and uh, Andy McDowell are indistinguishable. That's beautiful. <laughs> Just find a way to recycle four voices. That's why I do that. Theory, but it's so it's oh, so work, spot work, on. Work. I mean, that's that perfect. I'd never noticed that. Um, yeah, it's really just a lack of range disguised as um, callbacks. It works for me. I'll play the dental hygienist student, Ash versus Evil Dead, and the babysitter, and the babysitter, and Elrond. Samar, bring Kenny back to us. We miss how he chases down the wounded. Beside me, Hillary Swanks all. I can't understand a word she's saying. Where's she from? <laughs> Beside me, that conservative guy, David, from size irritably. <laughs> Lape, sis. Kenny, let's consummate our love. Start with oral. While you're in there, maybe look for me wedding ring. I had a bidet mishap. By the way, honey, tonight at dinner, we have a tradition where you have to draw a card and play a game. Um, like four on the floor in succession. Check it out. My game face. At dinner... <laughs> Woods! Oh, oh, God. Oh, oh, excuse me. Eat in my throat. I'm 62% Danny Houston. Back in the 1800s, my great-grandfather hung out with an old man or the devil who gave him this magic box. It's also a deck of cards with the names of other games on them. That's why we're rich. So every time one of us marries, the new member has to draw a card and play the game it says on it. Only one of them is cinematic. A fat person's all... I drew cold set. Beside it, Mr. Glass is all classic Satan. I was a squirt herder. <laughs> I was an arcane abjurist and made mage weave bags <laughs> for strangers to keep other mage weave bags in. This movie is ripoff of Running Man, only with different color wedding dress. <laughs> I'm Adam Brody. I was on the OC. Uh, I nailed uh, Rachel Pilson on the show and an RL, and then she made Jumper. And I made Jennifer's body. Beside me, Rachel Pilson's all. Yay, plot! Do I have to win? Nope, unless it's hiding. Well, or if you're the Cylon. <laughs> um, also, we all died. Dawn of. You know what? Let's see what you draw first. All right, here I go. Oh, I feel lucky. The name of this movie's undefeated Samara character. <laughs> I got hide and seek. Why is everyone but Grace Jones looking sad? Damn it, honey. I told you to get better at cards. The dad's all, okay, uh, I'll stand over here and count to 100, and we'll turn the security cameras off, just the way great-grandfather used to play. <laughs> Although he did like to leave them on for old maid. Actually, instead of me counting... I'm going to play an old record. The song's about the same length. Ready or not, hide and seek. Ready or not, it's like peekaboo chic. Ready or not, doesn't really rhyme with 1920s song. Ready or not, something top hat. Prohibition mustard gas, flappers and sassafras. Clara both ate a bar of Valentino's mascara. Cthulhu and Fitzgerald hanging from a clock. Lloyd Harold. Influenza and Hemingway, Fatty Arbuckle, not gay, Chaplin and Keaton, KKK, so brazen about cheating, Dynamite's the cure for insanity, oh, the humanity, Babe Ruth had a wife and lost her, let's give Wings the first Oscar, 
Woodrow Wilson and Lindbergh, baby, they shoot horses, don't they? 1920s song. Excellent, Kelly Wan. Bravo. <laughs> so grab a crossbow and hail Satan. Let's kill Samara. I hear hers is shaven. This is the end, thank God, of Kelly's 1920s song. <laughs> Beside me, Satan's all the 1820s versions, even stupid. <laughs> While Satan sits beside me, listening to himself sing on the record player in the movie, Tam Samara tiptoes around, docking stuff over and leaving muddy footprints before finally. Kira, a dumb waiter! Hey! <laughs> and next to him, one of those holes the woman with the hand painted pet cemetery <laughs> fell into! <laughs> Classic pet cemetery. They'll never look for me behind a closed door. She gets in and sits inside, grinning. Best wedding night ever. Yeah. <laughs> Downstairs, Dad hands out wedding weapons to the dynasty extras. Now, honey, try not to shoot your sisters accidentally like last year and the year before that. And the... Okay. God. Oops. Sorry, caress. Meanwhile... 99, 100. Jira exits the dubwaiter and stares around the dark hallway. Ready or not, here I come. Wait, how do you play? Suddenly, <laughs> Kenny jump scares her and makes her crouch behind a bed with him. Speaking of, let's go fucking the dumbwaiter. Although I may have pooped in there a little, so I get top. Suddenly, a girl character wanders in. This is my first ever appearance in a film. I got her. Oops. Sorry, evil Nanka. Oh. Yep, and I'll said. Samara stares at the dead girl's shot face and covers her mouth, trying not to yawn. Later in a basement. <laughs> Damn it, Kitty, you could have warned me your family would try to kill me if we got married. I'd have brought a phone. But you'd have left our relationship alive. Sorry, Kitty. Good point. Some of this is on me. I'm going to go turn off the cameras. You stay here and don't wander around being dumb. Boy! Kitty walks off. Samara yawns and hears gunshots and running feet, so she heads that way. She finds a room with a rifle in it, then rips her wedding dress so that her sneakers are more visible to us. Jesus, it's a good thing I thought these would be good wedding shoes. I'm all, tear the back of your dress. Tom's all, do the neck. Dingus is all, she doesn't track for me. Later. <laughs> Damn it, Tiffany, you shot Alexis. You're actually an awesome shot, you just aim at the wrong person. <laughs> Meanwhile, Adam Brody walks into a room with Samara crouching in the middle of it in plain view. He starts making brandy. <laughs> My character's motivations are complicated, so I'll give you a 10-second head start. She's in the study! Samara <laughs> accidentally decapitates a lady of the dumbwaiter, then runs into a kitchen with a bad news bears enthusiast butler in it, making a sandwich. Points the rifle at him. Those bullets are fake. <laughs> oh, I dreamed of a Candor movie that came out last night. And I was right. I can't. That was just in my dream, Tom. Because I watched Man from Uncle on the plane. You also have to put them into the gun first, or as it's known, loading. Samara <laughs> tries to open a door. The knob is also fake, as is my affection for the bad news bears. Except for the Japan one. Classic Tony Curtis. She spills red makeup on his face, runs off giggling and raving. Meanwhile, Kenny accidentally breaks all the cameras, so the much older, weaker characters cuff him to a bed. He starts whittling through the bedpost with the cuff chain while they stare and fail to notice. Meanwhile, break a break of this smart weaving. My uncle was in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert with Patrick Swayze. The owner of this car seems to try to murder me. Oh, you're not the owner of a car? Okay, turning it off by remote now. This is a common feature rich people's vehicles now have. Um, please remain in there and wait to be murdered then arrested. One moment, I have another call. Yes, Mr. Butler. Fuck off! <laughs> Sir? Lines for emergencies only. <laughs> Fuck off! It's fallen! 
Ah, uh, good one, Mr. Butler. I'm hanging up now. <laughs> Suddenly, the butler tricks Samara by being there and punching out the car window and then driving her around and then getting kicked in the head by her and then watching her run into a stable. Georgie Jr., what's a six-year-old boy doing in a stable in the middle of the night? Is that coming in this movie? Ow, my hand! Oh, I throat chopped you unconscious. Soft dog. You're welcome, grandparents. Want me balance. She falls into a pit full of dusty Vatican props and screams for a bit, then climbs a bad ladder, but tricks a nail. Good thing that kid shot me in the hand. Children are our future. Beside me, Jesus yawns. Meanwhile, back in the house. <laughs> Here, honey, try a crossbow. An Asian maid runs in. Guys... I just found Adam Brody drinking brandy. Wait, who are we looking for? <laughs> Tiffany, Fumiko is going to teach me comic timing. Beside me, Gosling stands up. I guess you could say that was a real bolt. Uh, audience is all. They uh, Dunaway just handed me that on a napkin, and she insisted it would kill. Eventually sits down and starts whispering angrily to Dunaway. Doesn't know what planet she's on. Meanwhile, back in the movie, fat person texts his buddy. While Samara falls past a window behind him. I think I'm turning into Chandler. Hey, buddy. Just chilling in the window scene. <laughs> Later on some grass. Adam Brody, I loved you in King Kong. Although not so much as TV's Batman back in the 60s. He rifle butts her. She gets captured, then gets away again, runs through the house screaming until... Hi, Samara. Can you believe anyone would cheat on me with Laura San Giacomo? <laughs> I laid over... <laughs> I laid over to Shawnee Vincent sitting beside me and go... I'm kind of with Samara. <laughs> Suddenly... Kenny bursts in with a bedpost and had some handcuffs stuck in his ear. Kenny, good news, I killed your mom and fell off a ladder. Kenny's all, by the way, I'm evil now, and squeezes her face. Honey, <laughs> I got boobs for this. She loses interest. <laughs> Later, Grace Jones is all, Grace, the sun is rising in an hour of screen time. <laughs> Oh, mighty Satan, please accept this Samara weaving sacrifice instead of killing us. What the? Ketchup starts pouring out of his mouth. Adam Brody's all, by the way, I'm good now. I poisoned the satanic wine with spicy ketchup. Freeze Samara. Yay, now to keep standing here. Someone shoots Adam Brody and Samara's tied back to the altar table. Hurry, the sun is rising in 59 minutes of screen time. Um, hail Satan and Hydra, thank you for giving my family that accursed box. Um... <laughs> Wait, why don't we just make and sell those? I mean, death to Anjanus. Stabs Samara, <laughs> but I guess misses or something, so she's free again. Looks, the sun is rising, and we're not exploding yet. So I guess, uh... She explodes. The dad's all, wait, it's happening kind of slowly. Why aren't we stabbing her? <laughs> Caddy's all, by the way, I'm freaking out. I want a divorce. Zane waits till she takes off her ring and throws it at Kenny, then makes him explode. Beside me, a lawyer's all. Technically, that's not what a divorce is. <laughs> Except in Kentucky, parts of Delaware. House burns down, so some cops and paramedics ignore Samara sitting on the front step smoking a cigarette. <laughs> kind of bad optics, considering. And all run inside to stare at the flames. A paramed extra is all. Hey, I loved you in Black Snake Moan, although less so in The Shallows. <laughs> You'd like that one. Also, what's your familiar relationship to the owners of this property? In-laws! <laughs> he smirks at us. Beside me, Peter Falk and Alan Arkin gone. <laughs> no reboot jokes. The end. Ugh. Very nice, Kelly Wan. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Come on, 1920s songs. No, that was that was brilliant. I, I cannot believe the effort you put in. I mean, that very nice work. Uh, and that, yeah, I think actually you could get a recording deal for that, Kelly Wand. Yeah, I gotta sing it less dumb. But that was very good. The lyrics are cute. All right, Kelly Wand, you go first. Briefly tell us what's a movie that's better than Ready or Not, a movie that's not quite as good, 
then maybe in one line tell us what you thought and then throw it over to Dingus. My line is, I like the first half and all of her, and my over is your next, which I thought was scarier and kind of was more gory and a little more tonally. I don't know, it's kind of worked for me better. And then my under is uh, Lucky Stiff, a movie from the 90s with Donna Dixon, and she befriends like a fat dude. And her family is all cannibal. So dude, why don't I know about that movie? Okay. It's, it's pretty... She doesn't wear anything that exciting in it, and she's just starting to turn. And uh, it's kind of, it's really low budge. Like, it's like a lot of forest running. All right. It's less funny than this, and it's not smart weaving. Um, but, yeah. I, I did like this, although I thought it was kind of predictable. And um, I thought it was too soft an R. And I thought it was... I thought Samara's character is more fun before she knows what's going on. Like, her normal character is really... Chill and fun and cool, and I kind of because then for the last half she's mostly screaming, so that's not as good. Okay, yes, I say everything. I think so. That's it for me. Who's next? Uh, I'm next. So, um, uh, well, you you should say you're next because uh, that is my over as well, um, mainly because uh, I did pick. Uh, horror slasher movies with some sort of comic elements that take place at a family get together. Um, and that might have a sort of, well, my under would be get out, uh, because that doesn't have a handle on how to present a comic tone properly. And in fact, loses control of it with the TSA guy that, uh, Tom and I have brought up multiple occasions. He's just a clown running around. Um, this movie has a better understanding of its comic sensibilities because of Samara Weaving. Um, and I agree with you, Kelly, that I think it's a little too predictable, a little too... It, I, I didn't really feel like anything untoward or surprising happened, although there were little comic moments that I like, little touches. Yeah, yeah, me uh, too. But it doesn't rise to... The uh, what I ultimately thought was a powerful, um, stra strangely funny movie in your next Tom. Uh, so I I uh, glad to hear you guys call out Samara Weaving because I I think she is what makes this movie work. Um, it's a it's a cute little bit of kind of glib social satire that doesn't take itself too seriously. I enjoy that about it. Um, but my over and under are movies where I feel the lead actress is so strong, she elevates the material. Uh, and this is an example of that. Um, and I, I think, by the way, Samara Weaving, like I've, if you watch McGee's movie, uh, The Babysitter, you can definitely tell this, this woman is something special. Like she so commits to every little dumb juvenile thing that he wants to do in that movie, and it's just admirable to watch her. Um, so my over and under are movies that I don't horror movies that I don't think I would like that much if it weren't for how good the lead actress is. Uh, and the under is Happy Death Day, which we've talked about, uh, the first one. Uh, and the over is a movie. Uh, I, I'm just doing this as a little public service announcement. Um, it's an Australian horror movie that's actually really grim. Uh, it doesn't have any humor to it, and it's a really uncomfortable watch. And normally I wouldn't like it, and I would just think it's kind of a trashy girl trapped in a basement script but what makes this movie and it's called hounds of love what makes this movie worth watching is an incredible performance by a woman named emma booth um who i just I, she she elevates that movie she elevates what would otherwise be a trashy girl locked in the basement movie uh and for her alone uh, i recommend hounds of love uh, so I what uh, Samara Weaving uh, I I think there, there's this concept in horror movies of a scream queen, and a lot of times I think this term is used fast and loose to just describe a horror movie that has a female lead. Like Jamie Lee Curtis is, is referenced as a scream queen a lot, and I don't really think I mean Jamie Lee Curtis is is fine as an actress. She's done some great stuff, but her career didn't really come down to her just being a scream queen. She transcended it. And since then, uh, I think a lot of times the term is used to be dismissive. Um, but I can think of a handful of actresses 
that really literally give it full-throated expression. And that's one of the things I love about this movie is just how intense Samara Weaving is. Even Kelly Wand, when you're talking about the first part, she's so much fun and playful. But then the last part, she's just continuously traumatized. Um, And her scream has this um, kind of delightful warble to it. Yeah, it's a really distinctive true. screen that I found really endearing. Uh, and, and it wasn't just like a grating hearing a woman scream, or it wasn't like a distressing, no. oh my god, this poor lady. It was like this really distinctive expression of Samara weaving, yeah. which I loved her screaming in this. Um, so as a scream queen, yeah. I, I think she really proved herself quite literally with, with her scream in this. Um, now I'll run it with your watch it, because that's an interesting... I do remember really like, and she like gasps a lot. Oh, her whole physical, the whole physicality of of her performance, even in the early parts, like she's such an expressive, physically expressive, like those big beautiful eyes and with her face and with these little gestures, uh, like she's the kind of woman who I think could be like a, a a Buster Keaton, like she, like just the the physicality, the subtle physicality of what she can do is really nice. She's a workhorse. Yeah, I think yeah. that that's the thing that kind of maybe threw me off a little. Her character seems so fun in the beginning that when she gets scared later and she's really and she's acting very realistically scared, I'm like, wait, she wouldn't be scared. She's cool. <laughs> like, it seems surprising to me that she was acting the way a normal person would. That, I, I think the what's first going on there kind of artificial. Yeah. Is, I, I think it, it the movie it falls on her to sell the seriousness of what's going on because otherwise it's a little absurd it doesn't make any sense we would be asking wait a minute yeah people don't just like randomly they're not just randomly capable of hunting and murdering someone you know one night of their life uh like it it makes no sense so it falls to her and her expression and her expression of distress to sell that to us i think which is part of what's going on yeah uh yeah and she's good at it but i missed her little one-liners and her fun i don't know she seemed yeah, like yeah. she'd be fun to date. Like, I was kind of jealous of him. Like, oh. <laughs> but it is one of those movies where it's like, you're, you're and kind of like your next head, I thought this too, I always think this is like, you're marrying into a family of murderers and you don't notice it. And that you're, that the person you're about to marry is is a murderer. Really. Well, I, like, no, I don't know. I don't think like, that's the case because none of them have any of the, except for, covering. except for the aunt, I don't, and, and Henry Zerny, had any of them participated in a hide-and-seek before? Yeah, the very first scene. Well, the little boys. I mean, they were traumatized by it. I'm talking about participating in the, in the sense of, like, being a, a full participant and helping. Like, there hadn't been one since then. Uh, well, Andy that, McDowell. that's claimed by Andy McDowell, but right. Daniel says – Well, Servants are into it. Daniel says – and then I heard about cousins who had this happen. And they, I mean, it's this he gives this list of this going on directly after saying this hasn't this never happens. I think the movie's a little confused about that, to be honest. But my point is, it's never it's never something that they have done. It's not something that anybody in the movie besides Henry Zerny and uh, uh, what, what's the aunt's name? Grandma. Uh, well, Nikki Gal. Gaudagni is the actress's name, and she's actually it was she's a lot of fun too, by the way. And yeah, she's the, I love She's it. the chick from Cube. I don't I don't know if you you realize that. Oh. Which is it's really cool, like watching her just do this really it's fun part. Way and I think she's yeah. a stage actress too. But anyway, my point thing is is it, it's Great definitely face. implausible that these people can suddenly just for once in their life be ruthless hunters. Um, and and that's that's what I'm well, saying. That's why I really admire what Samara Weaving is doing and why she sells the movie. Without her convinced of the stakes, expressing the stakes, being scared and uh, reacting to what's really kind of silly in a, in a fearful manner, I don't think this would have worked nearly as well. Because the you know you're calling it confusion thing is, but I really think it's more. It's just a simple, straightforward script. Like it's not trying to be anything sophisticated or, or makes sense. <laughs> exactly, or makes sense. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of jokes. I mean, it's a wacky comedy. Oh yeah. Like yeah. the family's doing a lot of jokes, but she's funnier than they are. But I did, I did love uh, Grandma, the cube lady, and um, well, just even the visual gag of giving her a, a battle axe, because a, a battle axe is what you call a a really determined mean old lady uh yeah and i think that's just a cute gimmick of a physical gag is giving the battle axe a battle axe like i i think the movie is that 
it, like the movie is just that more and much more invested in the comedy of what it's doing than anything right. honestly horrific. Yeah. As opposed to near next, where Barbara Crampton, you feel really bad for her character. But well, I didn't feel bad for anyone in this movie. Exactly. Year Next is, I think, and it's a it's a great comparison. I mean, these movies are a great sort of study in contrast. Like Adam Wingard is really wanting us to invest in, in the dread and caring for the characters before letting us off the hook and letting us know that we're watching a comedy. And I think this movie from the get-go, you kind of know, wait a minute, you're being a little cutesy. Are you, are you going to be a There's comedy jokes. instead of a horror yeah. movie? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and they're good jokes, some of them. I did... Like what Diga said, I did like a lot of comic touches. Yeah, yeah. But I, I was really pissed off that the kid explodes off screen. That fucking annoyed the shit out of me. Like, Come on, what? He shot her in the hand. Fuck that kid. <laughs> well, what are did. we lame? This is an R-rated movie. What are you talking? Why? Why are you skimping on that? You have set up this family to make me look. You're selling me these explosions. De Palma wouldn't have not shown. I don't think. I mean, I think Can't the show idea. kids anymore in an R-rated movie. They're they're, they're blood. They're our weight. Their viscera showers into the room. What more do you want? I want to see it like we do every <laughs> other explosion. Well, we don't see we their mother's explosion lot. either. She shepherds them out of the room. Yeah. Same. Com- I have the same complaint. No, but we see That's plenty bullshit. of people. Come on, it's not soft. I just think it's. Maybe you're right. Maybe it can't explode kids uh, on screen. But then you shouldn't. Either you do it or don't do it. Get off the pot or shit. I want to see it if you're going to if you're going to go there let me see it. Let me well, we see get to the see fucking it. movie. We get to see it with everybody else. He's mixing it up. I mean that's fine. Nah, he mix, he's not making it mixing it up at random. He's mixing up the one. Oh, okay. Well, it's totally been set up as a villain. Come on, RoboCop 2. Yeah, I, I think that he's doing that on purpose. I think he's messing with you. Me specifically, maybe. You specifically. By the way, uh, Chris Markinson thought that the aunt uh, who for me I Thought she was given a different name by each character. Uh, Chris thought it was Glenn Close for a while. Oh, which... ouch! Ooh, well, I guess with makeup. <laughs> no, she would. Yeah, the comic. I could see that. And Brian Becker calls this uh, a Your Next knockoff. So, he, because he loved Your Next, he liked this one pretty well. Um, one of the things I really do like about this is that, you know, Sharni Vinson is turns out to be a badass who was raised in a survivalist com- compound. Um, she's got all of these abilities and the ability to make a, a Home Alone horror movie, basically. Yeah, uh, and, right. and uh, he's like, I've never seen you act like this. And she just becomes this force of, of nature who also is very competent. And in this movie, uh, Samara Weaving can't just turn that on she doesn't know how right to do that. bullets she doesn't know i got a little frustrated with and i guess the movie's doing this on purpose but you know you, tom you bring up screen queens she's making so much noise so much of the time that everybody could find her easily i mean oh, she does yeah. a number of things that huh. drive crazy like like never picking up a gun or dropping the one used gun next to somebody she thinks she might have killed, never really killing somebody until a certain point, um, never getting a weapon, just running around. Uh, I mean, I can imagine going through that type of thing and immediately trying to get a weapon. But she. Well, that's what she does, isn't it? Not really. I mean, she doesn't go. Well, she, oh, she gets the, the shotgun. Um, but then finds out that it's prop bullets. Prop, or the right. prop, bullets right. are prop bullets. But then she <laughs> she gives up on that plan and never picks up anybody else's gun, including the little kid. Um, and she just leaves them, yeah. runs around screaming. And uh, after a while, I got a little weary of her doing that. I, I, th- I think her learning curve could have been a, a little more reasonable than just the screaming. But I, I guess I get what you're saying about about the scream queen thing well and also uh, like they don't like i i love the fact that there's no she has no compunction about pulling the trigger when she's got the drop on the butler like there's none of this uh oh i can't kill anyone or i'm gonna be better than they are like they i think they make it clear that she's totally willing to do what it takes to get out of the house and she just wants to leave 
Like, I, she's not interested in murdering anyone. She just wants to get out of there. She just wants to leave the house, I, I think. But, um, but I don't know the space well enough. Like, when she gets out, there's cars on the highway, but they still find her. Which, by the way, that's another example of just her tremendous vocalization is her yelling that string of insults at the rich car <laughs> yeah. that drove off. Like, th- this woman, I, I don't know if she's like a singer or she's got some breath control thing going, but man, what awesome vocal work. Um, yeah, and but, I, I yeah. do love that that scream because it sounds almost tribal. That warbling. Yeah, there's scream. like a there's like an ululation yeah. to it almost, right? right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but and I, she's skinny. She's like a. I like that. I agree with you, Kelly. That I think they miss a tremendous opportunity to make the house more of a character. Um, there are loving shots of dark hallways where they hold silverware and glassware, apparently, and and a couple of rooms but i think they could have done a lot more with the geography of the house uh and played with it more especially how many servants are there three just the three and they established that early on three servants and the butler um especially given that this is a game of hide and seek and you know there must be hundreds of places to hide in that house and that she only basically uses one of them and then just creeps around for the rest of the movie is, I think, a little disappointing. I think that you could play with that more. Yeah. I just right. think House could have been more of a character. And then she's it, in the basement and then she gets caught upstairs in the study later. Like she's gotten back that far. She's backtracked all the way back up to the top of the house before leaving. So that, that's kind of a nitpick. I mean, I, I couldn't tell. Like, well, where exactly is the security uh, room as related to where he sends her to the kitchen? And then he just wanders, watches her flounder about for a little bit in the kitchen without going to her. He just watches. Yeah, uh, they don't care. It doesn't it. They didn't care. Like the the filmmakers were just like, eh, this is funny we'll do it like this. And sometimes they were right. <laughs> so did you did you get to watch Southland, Kelly Wand? <clears throat> no. Okay, Dingus, you watched Southland. That's why I had it written down. Yes, I watched Southland. So these two guys, they did uh, the next to – they would have done what was the best segment in VHS if it wasn't for David Bruckner's Amateur Night, which is – it's a little unfair because I think Amateur Night is a towering achievement in horror shorts. But if Amateur Night had not been part of VHS, the two guys that did Ready or Not would have done the best segment in VHS, which is the last one about the the Halloween uh, party. Um But then they did the bookends for a horror anthology called Southbound, which, Kelly, it's too bad you didn't see it, because, Dingus, you got to see it. What what are your thoughts about what they did with Southbound? Uh, Southbound feels, uh, about halfway through, felt like the lower-class version of this movie, in a way. Um, Well, they just did the bookends, though. They did the the parts with the – the, the guys being stalked by the things out in the desert, like that was their part. The, the middle parts were, were other directors. But I didn't realize that watching it. Ah. Watching it the first time and having all the Satan crap and the masks and a couple other things that, he, that the two of them rely upon in this movie are also in Southbound just with a lower class of character. And, it, and, it, and I was just slow as far as understanding that it was an anthology because as we talked about, it's not marked off. It's just handed off. It's a handoff anthology is what I put in my notes because it just moves on to like an intersection. And then we take that branch of the highway and the movie becomes about another character all of a sudden. And I kind of liked that rather than the screen going black and there being a title card. And I thought, boy, this really feels like an anthology, but it's not presented as an anthology. And then at the end, you see different directors credited for different sequences in the movie. Um, I actually liked some of uh, Southbound, and I like the, I do like the book ending and how it sort of ties everything together. Um, I don't know. Some of the hospital stuff was a little much for me. But that wasn't them at all, though. That had nothing to do with them. Yeah, uh, yeah. but I didn't know that again at the time. Uh, so I, I think that they've they've really proven themselves with uh, the short form, uh, and this kind of had the hallmarks of 
uh, new directors given a feature film and not quite yet being entirely comfortable with, with that format. Uh, and that I, I think there were some structural issues. You guys complain about the, the use of the house a bit. I can understand that. Uh, but considering how, uh, like, if you think of this as their first feature film, I, I think they did a great job. Yeah. Uh, and they also, considering, too, that uh, it's nothing like their shorts. Uh, like, it has a completely right. different tone than what they did in VHS and in Southbound, uh, and I love their, their contributions to those. Uh, I, I think it's pretty laudable that they were able to take completely different kind of, a completely different kind of material uh, and to express it as well as they did in this movie, I thought. But uh, I, uh, I certainly think that the movie shows great craft, yeah. and that's why I'm a little bit loath to say it's a little by the numbers because I don't expect you to – as an artist to seek originality for originality's sake. Uh, but if you're going to do something like this, I expect you to at least bring something of a fresh voice to it, which I think they do. And I think that there is a fair amount of craft here. They wrote it, right? No, they didn't. And I also want to point out again, public service announcement. Uh, the Ryan Murphy who worked on this is not the Ryan Murphy who folks might know from American horror story. That, that was one of the things that confused me. Oh. Um, oh. Hmm. Uh, but no, they didn't write it. This is another script. I don't think I. I don't think the other guys. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Because the I dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like to me the reason I don't like the movie more is because the it, the opening's so strong, and I loved how the characters were interacting, and I even know it's going to happen, but it kind of gets more into logistics. It becomes more like aliens. Like, how do we kill these things? <laughs> well, I love how she um... develops. Well, how how she treats each person a little bit differently, not in a manipulative way, but because of the situation. I mean, this is her wedding day. She's very nervous for obvious reasons. Wants to fit in. Yeah. Not just because it's her wedding day, but also because she feels like the family hates her. At the very she's super beginning, sympathetic. We really like her. Yeah. At the very beginning, she's she's casual with. Uh, with her husband to be uh, poking fun about um, different things, they, they they have a nice little relationship going on there. And then she's totally earnest with Andy McDowell about wanting to have yeah. um, about wanting to be part of a family, and I believed that. Uh, and then right before that, before the wedding, she's really confused by the aunt and why that woman is staring at her like like she looks like a turkey leg in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. I mean, I I love the way that Samara Weaving is able to take in uh, these different characters and react to them in very pure and interesting ways that are different for each character, but it's still true to her. Yeah. Yeah. Those other two siblings who who aren't in the movie that much, but they're kind of like snidey to her. Like, I like their chat too. The, uh, you mean the, the the coked up woman and her husband? No, yeah. no, the coked up woman was uh, Adrian Adam Brody's wife. Right. But was then there was the, like the what you called the fat guy, the guy that got stuck with the crossbow and his wife. Or did you mean Charity, the one who uh, immediately <laughs> was ready to sell her soul? I got a couple sisters mixed up. Um, I mean, they definitely. No, I, like I, I like Charity. Good. Yeah, they got a lot of mileage out of the different kinds of characters that were involved yeah. in the hunt with different degrees of willingness and eagerness to it, uh, different amounts of ruthlessness. Uh, I like the fat guy. Like, he doesn't even care. Right, right. <laughs> it's just so dismissive. And I like the it. daughter. I love that the daughter was shooting all the people. That was, That's hilarious. Right. That's she's, she's yelling about it. She has no idea what she's doing, which she doesn't. Which yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, Here's that's an example, that... too, of its predictability, but I – I think it's kind of a strength. Like, you know that there are three maids, and when one of them dies and the second one dies, like, you're waiting for the third one to die, and you know there's a gag coming, and the kind of the twist is, oh, Samara Weaving kills her on accident. Um, yeah. So I think that's an example where, yeah, it's kind of predictable. And I think even the ending is pretty predictable, where you know something supernatural is going to happen, you just don't know how. Uh, well, and the characters telegraph it by, hey, nothing happened. Right, 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 exactly. Yeah, and I, so I don't think it's supposed to be so much a surprise as no. uh, as look how we're going to – yeah, you, you get to guess how we're going to do this. Like how do you think we're going to do it? And then they just have everybody pop like a blood squib. Except the kid. 
They popped. They popped, and their viscera flew ah. into the, all over the place, Kelly. One smaller R-R-R. buckets of viscera. Except the kid. <laughs> I like the. I loved uh, my favorite shot was when um, Kenny or whatever. Oh, that guy's His name was Connor. Catch fire. Connor, sorry. Um, explodes, edit. There's a reaction shot of her just getting splattered with his blood, and she's just kind of enjoying it. Like, oh, right, right. Which, blood again, blood. is, is not... Expressions. Which, again, I think, too, is it, it gets at how the movie is not being super serious. Like, at that, that point, after everything she's been through, she's, like, super cool. Like, like her character now knows she's in a comedy, I, I think. Yeah, well, whose eyes will like, look awesomest surrounded by blood? Samara Weaving's. right. She's, she literally starts giggling at that point. It's yeah. so yeah. absurd. Uh, one of my favorite moments, and this is this is this speaks, I think, slightly to your point about the sly social commentary of this, is when Emily, I think it's Emily, who's the fuck up sister, um, shoots the second um, maid through the mouth mm-hmm. with a crossbow. Yeah. I I love her reaction, which is, why does this keep happening? To yeah, <laughs> she's annoyed at fate. And everybody's like, "There, there, dear. It's not your fault." That's <laughs> probably part of Satan's. Like, that's the real reason he wanted to do it. I just love. Why does this keep happening to me? <laughs> Through no fault of my own, being totally coked up. <laughs> uh, I do want to just real quick, brief correction: is I don't necessarily think this is sly social satire. Ding is like I think I think it's very superficial as far as like its social message and i don't think it's trying to be anything deep but i wouldn't necessarily characterize it as as, as sly uh i the think this whole thing about the purge wishes it was but just this whole right. thing about yeah rich people are jerks and they're evil like I don't, I don't think there's much to this um that didn't exist before well i, I right. do like the like little reversals like uh we all deserve to die my kids don't and then the kids yeah, they do I shot a, I shot the lady. <laughs> Why'd you do that? Well, that's what you guys were doing. Right, She's right. Like, uh, you. Yeah, I don't know. I like to see kids explode in movies. It doesn't happen often. All right. Especially in Ready or Not. What? It you depends on the movie, point. Dingus. I'm not talking about Hurt Locker, but, um, yeah, something. Especially right. a kid that's been set up as a hand shooter. Here's my hand shooter. Here's my nitpick. So there's a machine that prints a new card every time. Why not have a deck of cards and you draw one? Like, I, what, what? Huh? No, I like that. No, Someone it should be a deck of cards. Pop. It should be a deck of cards and you shuffle it and you draw one. And you know that that's in there. No, Satan has it's, Satan has to make the game. They're like board game makers. So it has to be some kind of like Board games come with decks of cards. No, that's just cards. That's a deck of cards. Right. That's there should be a game. deck of cards with a different game on each card, and you have to randomly draw one every marriage, and that hide-and-seek one is always lurking in there, you know, b- between checkers and old maid or whatever. Like, that's uh, always in there. What, what's this idea? Nobody nobody has a frame of reference for a magic box that prints a card. It, it looks like a printer. It's like an 18th century printer, really. But everybody <laughs> knows what a deck of cards is and how it works. Because uh, someone has to shuffle it, and Satan is shuffling this with his machine. No, he's Those not. He's randomly, like, he's clicking print file from somewhere in hell, and it's going to right. this little wooden printer thing and printing a car. That makes no sense. Oh, you think he's shuffling maybe, it? Kelly, one, if you can complain about kids popping off screen, I can complain about not having a deck of cards. The game in the, in the part? Movie. Yeah, the game part, yeah. <laughs> maybe he's allowing for more games to be developed after the box has been created. Yeah. So then they have to play Monopoly. You can print new cards and add them into the deck. Like, there's nobody saying a deck of cards is an inviolable document. Add new cards to it, Satan. Go ahead. Yeah, expansion. Yeah, you know, if you want to put in uh, Settlers of Catan, a card in there for that, go ahead, do it. Print one out, add it to the deck. It's possible. Hey, you guys, Satan's sending the expansion. Yeah. (laughs) I like that one of the other ones was Old Maid, and that Satan knows what Old Maid is, and... It makes that part of a ritual. Yeah, they have to play old maid. <laughs> well, now, now, is it actually, did I, like, is it specifically Satan or it's just the ghost of this, uh, I don't even remember the name. He had some, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Is it just his ghost? There's no, there's no Satan. Well, there's a ritual there. at the end. That's oh, Satan. they do call out to Satan, don't they? Right, you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was Satan until then. I go, oh, okay, so they're cultists. No, yeah, you're right, you're definitely. Yeah, and I didn't, I kind of didn't. 
I mean, I get, like, the, uh, I get the movie just wanted to do visual Jones. gags at this point, but I didn't really need them donning robes and taking a dagger to like yeah, that's that got a little on what? the nose. Like they they totally what? left the realm of any fun social satire they were trying to do and got into like dumb cult humor. I thought uh, <laughs> I didn't really need that. You know what? Uh, we'll see Midsummer and we'll talk more about, about that. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm seeing it Wednesday. I can't wait. Yeah, but just this idea, I mean, that they become Satan-worshipping cultists rather than rich people who will occasionally murder someone because of tradition. I like that you consider that a bad visual gag as opposed to... Well, a simple one. It's an easy one. It's like low... Like it's, And it's kind of out of left field. It's suddenly they're putting on robes uh, with hoods and, and taking daggers to stab uh, tied-up women. No, nah, I think really? they need it because the rich, you need a ritual to explain demonic explosion in the next scene. Go, oh, Why not? See, I mean, okay. Stuff. Fair enough. Fair enough. But, and then uh, you go, oh look, and then when and then when they kind of lamely go, oh look, it's not real. We're supposed to go, oh, they're just dumbasses who believe in stupid cults. Like we're supposed to think, oh, see, they're just crazy people in capes. Like the capes are even it's part of their ridiculous foolishness. I mean, I guess what I'm no, saying is, I, is I didn't really need a literal cults brought into it is that I got the point and I think it made its point just fine about rich people being weird and living by different rules uh, to literally invoke cults was uh, just a bit on the nose for me I'm okay with it it's it fine well it also kind of I'll give it's like I know you didn't like the box but I did <laughs> but like it kind of undercuts the, the box cool right there's exactly something, there's something you don't see like that that's like this family is unusual and then when they are wearing capes at the end it's like oh they are Exactly. Yeah, you've got it. You've got a simple message, a, a sort of a, a a simple concept, and when you throw more traditional things into it, I think it can sort of muddy it up a little bit. Uh, and you know, similarly, like the the uh, <laughs> the joke about uh, Justin taking the call in the car, like that kind of humor. I was like, nah, I don't, I I don't. That's I don't know that I need customer customer service humor in there. No, especially when she would just say, "Why would I have you call the police if I'm stealing this car? Go ahead." Call the police yeah. and have them chase me. I don't care. But it is I one rather, of those things where you've got to figure out like why someone doesn't just call nine one one. I mean, movies have to go to such torturous lengths to keep someone from dialing nine one one. I'd rather just do the body snatchers <laughs> thing where she calls nine one one and then the guys all okay, just wait right there, Samara. The family's coming. Like he's well, part of it. Speaking of Justin, uh, Justin DeHeard also wrote in, and he says. He does love that the comedy came out of the horrific situations rather than them building a horror comedy and trying to be funny. Um, what do you think of that? I mean, I, I kind of do think it was a horror comedy and, and they, they were, were trying, trying to, be, to funny. be funny. Yeah. She's I mean, doing I guess jokes what jokes early on. I, I think it's just, it, it's really hard to mix horror and comedy without really compromising one of them. And this, yeah. to this movie's credit, I think it manages both of them pretty well. I think uh, I think it sacrifices horror, and I didn't give a shit. Like I was fine with it. You didn't care about Samara weaving. Like you weren't you weren't like wrapped up in her selling mistakes and her like, energy. Right. No, I was, but I was sure she was going to be fine. Like I wasn't worried about. Okay. Her. Right. Right. So yeah. I wasn't. In, I was going. Oh, she's going to die. Like in your next. Like, I hope Shawnee Vincent's not one of the. Because the horror, it, there's enough horror in your next to make me go, she could die in it. Well, you're, I would argue that your next is is uh, is setting up a, a very sly uh, sleight of hand. Like your next is all about a reversal, I think, and there's no such reversal like that in this movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah, these yeah. guys. And so it's, it gets like to what you when you said it was predictable, Kelly Wand. Is I don't think this movie has any real tricks up its sleeve, whereas your next is all about that trick and that subverted expectation. Right. So when this movie thinks it's tricking me, I'm like, oh, what? But I don't think that's my that's my thing is I don't think it ever thought it was it's tricking. Not trying me. to trick me. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, I, all... I thought the husband was gonna crack, and I thought actually that. to be fair, that was something where I wasn't sure what they were gonna do. I kind of wondered as well if they were gonna like try to redeem him. Partly because I think I've never seen that actor in anything else. What is I don't is he the one Paul from Catch Hulk? Fire? He was like a, a video. Not not yeah. not uh, Adam not Brody the uh, not the dark haired one the, no, the yeah, one yeah yeah her husband okay because the casting of that guy um, because I'd never seen him like a lot of times when you cast someone you know whether or not they're going to be a villain like what was that thing we saw with I Danny knew I'd Houston seen him. Yeah. so so just because I didn't know this guy and I didn't know how he normally gets cast and he was just doing a great job of just being the the sympathetic nice guy husband 
I was a little surprised when he turned and thought it was going to be a fake out and he was going to turn back. So that kind of kept me guessing a little. Well, also, too, the reason he didn't tell her was he goes, you would have left. And she's kind of moved by it. I go, OK, so it's this kind of movie. Right. Which is true, too. Edge. Like, who's going to marry someone who has that in their family? Yeah. Yeah, but you still would go, that's not a reason not to break up with you if you're in a real right. relationship. If right. someone said that to you, you wouldn't go, oh, I still love them. Would you? Maybe. Okay. There's some chicks I probably... Look, bad example. <laughs> Don't think about me. Think about realistic movie behavior. <laughs> Humanity. Um, but yeah, so, like, it's a... Like, we're supposed to go, oh, that's sweet. But really, it's like, he's nuts for saying that. Yeah, you can't... If I told you you would have left and broke it up, so I had to risk your death. That's what he's telling her that she's moved on. So, Which, by the way, if it had been a it's a comedy, it, but if it had been a if it had been a deck of cards and I knew there was a one in fifty-two chance, I would have like you'd have taken it. Yeah, but what are the odds that the like what what are the rules about whether or not it's going to print a hide or and go seek card? Like what what? I don't, I don't even know it's fifty-two. Maybe there's only ten. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's three games in there. We don't know. Maybe they're all hide and seek. no sense. Show me a deck of cards. Show me a unique thing. Like, show me a couple of them. There's unique things. Then shuffle them. Do that. Also, too, hide and seek's the only one where there's a rule. So nothing happens most of the time, but then there's one thing in the deck where you have to do something or you all explode by dawn. Like, there's a condition for the one card. Well, no, I think that if they don't play the other games, if they don't play the other games, they'll explode. But the thing about hide and seek is there's... They sort of arbitrarily have to kill the person who's hiding. Like that's what seems a little weird. But they do have to play. If they hadn't played Old Maid with the fat uh, son-in-law, they would have exploded. Right, right, right. It's just that that was the easy one to do. That's another. But if they could, they could just play and not kill her. Or just like murder her right there in the room. Like just instantly, as soon as she draws that, you know, everybody take aim. I I don't know. I think it would have made more sense if you had to win. And just all the other all the other characters have gotten easier games. Like it seems weird that old like the one game is like you either win or you die. But as if it, you get chess or old maid or any of the other fifty cards. Kelly Wand, it's like drag me it. to hell. Who can understand ancient curses? Uh, Justin Long thought that the girl in <laughs> Drag Me to Hell deserved her fate. <laughs> uh, I think the movie kind of did too, right? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, it's like, fuck you, bitch. Uh, one thing I'd never seen before, I always appreciate this in a horror movie, is uh, a bullet wound being used that way. Yeah. Grim stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'd never seen that before. Didn't expect it. It was like, okay, she's hanging by her fingertips. Now what? Somebody's going to save her. Nope, nobody saves her. The bullet hole. That was, that was like, ouch. I... It was resourceful. It was very res- it was resourceful on the movie's part and on her part, yeah. And it was one of those things that makes you like wince. So nicely done, movie. Yeah. Tenacity is enough to make you root for someone, usually. Yeah, exactly. And undergoing that kind of pain to pull yourself out of a, a corpse pit. Yeah. That's why I want to see that kid explode. Look what he put her through. Fuck that kid. <laughs> Defend him. From- well, I do. I do appreciate the fact that this movie understands how nails work, unlike a quiet place. Where the nail is coming up through the floorboard. That's not really oh, yeah. how nails what, work. What was the quiet place nail? Maybe he's just a bad carpenter, Dingus. Um, so there's a, <laughs> there's a nail point on the wooden stairs that's sticking up. through the wooden stairs and pointing up. And Emily Blunt walks down the stairs in the dark. Oh, right. on it. <laughs> didn't right. it just fall, though, there? Like, they didn't, he didn't hammer it in like that. What do you mean, did it fall there? I don't know. I don't remember it, so I'm just trying to devil's advocate. A movie By the way, if anybody, enjoy. if anybody uh, still wants to convince themselves that the, a quiet place isn't terrible, I would like to invite you to watch the the folks who write the Quiet Place. They just got their own movie. Uh, it's called Haunt. And uh, before you champion Quiet Place, I'd like you to go see that and tell me what you think. That goes Uh-oh. for that goes for you, Dingus, and anybody else who liked a Quiet Place. Huh. You paid money for it? I saw I did a double feature. Kelly Wan, what do you think this of this line? Game. Actually, here's the one good thing about Haunt. Kelly Wan, well, I've, I've I, tipped my hand. Is this good writing or bad writing? Uh, you tipped the, it before this. <laughs> go on. No, I was going to do a good writing or bad writing thing, but I think – No, I love it. I love good writing. Right. Okay. Please. So in Haunt, from the – so Haunt, it's the guys that wrote Quiet Place for, for uh, Jim Krasinski. Um 
they they wrote their own script about a haunted house that a bunch of dumb millennials go to and whoa there's creepy people in the haunted house like a halloween haunted house and there's like a fun thing and there's creepy people in there who murder the kids it's really dumb it's terrible but so it's not the, haunted. <clears throat> it's not haunted. It's just got freaks in it. Murderous freaks. Um, early on, the actress, the lead actress, uh, she's traumatized because she's in an abusive relationship. Uh, and one of her friends comes to her and says, you need to break up with that guy. He's an alcoholic. And uh, the, the protagonist says, no, no, he's not an alcoholic. He's, he's not. He, he means well. And the friend says to her, he's an alcoholic. And you know how I know he's an alcoholic? Because he's an alcoholic. Oh. Kelly, you want good writing or bad writing? Uh, um, I actually like that so, line. It's, it's yeah, the, the more it's I the, think about it, the better it seems. Yeah, it's but. the last thing. It's in the first ten minutes of Haunt. It's the last good thing that happens in the movie, just so you know. Spoiler. Oh. Uh, so. Well, it's a good line. <laughs> I had to think about it, but I like that when I do it. So right, I should like right. it when other people do it. Have uh, to think about stuff. You, you jerks! Were, yeah. you're talking about that goat pit, you know, yes. when you're talking about the nail. Yes. Um, Justin, uh-huh. we heard, said that uh, for him, he thought it was very much inspired by Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the way it was shot. I don't know Texas Chainsaw, Mass- Chainsaw Massacre very well. The original? He just says Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, but Kelly one, nobody's saying those words without saying the Michael Bay version. Michael Bay one means doesn't mean the original. Everyone means the original when they say that. I think you can assume. I just want to remind everyone that that thing exists every time chance I get. He also it's... doesn't know what part of her body she's scratching or opening up when she's squeezing through the gate. Oh, it's her back, I think. Because you later, I do like how I I yeah. love the imagery of the just blood-stained bride like that like that's such a fun yeah. juxtaposition and i really like how they play with that with her at first tearing the hem off and then putting on her sneakers and then tearing the sleeve off like julia yeah. roberts uh yeah not nearly as, as extreme it? but uh yeah pretend uh, there's blood in runaway bride i guess right. is my joke. yeah well, that was a horror movie chris markson agrees chris markson agrees with you tom because he says he liked how the dress transformed into a deep red by the end of the movie yeah yeah exactly exactly it always yeah. looks good yeah. blood looks good on a white dress in movies i mean it's like horses uh there's a, actually sure a famous thing. opera called lucia de Lammermoor, which is all about uh, a woman coming out i think it's her wedding uh in a, a bloody actually it's a nightgown but it's like a white bloody nightgown it's like a famous opera scene uh, but this whole idea of something symbolizing the purity of a woman being spattered yeah. with blood after a violent episode like that's a great horror movie trope i think yeah. Oh, wedding, greatest day of my life. <laughs> and then you always go, oh, is it on the cake, too? Yeah. Did you say on the cake or the cape? Cake. There's no cape at a wedding. <laughs> a yeah, what's that long thing that the bride has trailing behind her? It's, it's a, a train. No, it's a cape. It says just married on it. It has tin cans <laughs> on it. So, Dingus, uh, Markinson, Brian Becker, Justin D. Hurd, they saw it. We're into it, yeah. right? Um. To varying degrees, Justin absolutely loved it. Uh, Chris really enjoyed it. And Brian Becker is more of a champion of Your Next and liked this just fine. Yeah. Yeah, Your Next is a, like, it's a little unfair. It's like, uh, yeah, Your Next is just downright brilliant. I think it's a little unfair to hold this beside that, but uh, yeah, I get it. It's unfair to compare things to brilliant things. Exactly. Yeah, that's like. That's Tom's thesis. Right. Um, yeah, I agree with you because I like things that make me want to like them. And this movie wants my good opinion. As opposed to Hobbs and Shaw, which didn't care what I thought of. It also gets at something that I've mentioned many times before, and this is is totally on me. I own this. But so many horror movies are so bad that uh, when you see a good one, you really root for it. We keep going. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Because you and I both watch... Total shitty horror movies. Exactly. Right. And it's always all about hoping Addiction. that one of them's going to be maybe not horrible, but best case scenario is as fun yeah. as something like Ready or Not. Yeah. yeah. Or a Terados. They can't all be, exactly. They can't all be uh, your next. And maybe they shouldn't be. Maybe it's like the Charms and Lucky Charms, where we need the O parts to get to enjoy the marshmallows. Kelly so, Wand, well put. 
Well put. If every horror movie was a Tarados, it wouldn't taste special. Exactly. <laughs> um. So okay. So uh, ready or not, any any? Am I missing anything? Let's tell them what we're gonna uh, watch next week. Oh my god. <laughs> Kelly, want to explain to the listeners? My voice is going. Tell them what we're gonna watch next week and how they can participate. Well, I was going to say Midsummer, but Tom says we're all going to do uh, Rambo Last Blood. <laughs> Woo! Which I guess is a movie. I haven't seen a preview for it. And uh, that means there isn't one. Because I, I saw a shitload of previews when I was in L.A. And First of all, stop doing that. And second no, of all... I don't yeah. care anymore. What's, what's it going to spoil? What's going to happen? Star Wars Nine? I don't. Care. How much? How much did you know about Ready or Not going in? Because I guarantee you, Dingus and I didn't know. It, oh, you didn't. You didn't like know the premise. No, I didn't. Oh, good. See, wasn't um, it more awesome discovering that rather than being told it before you went in? Yeah, but I saw a preview for Midsummer, and it told me just enough to make me want to see it. I don't. Yeah, mid. Well, we'll we'll have a Midsummer episode and, and talk uh, more about that. Yeah. But in the know, meantime, we're going to do a far more important movie and probably a far more commercially lucrative movie. Let's do Last maybe Blood. <clears throat> maybe not. We'll find out. Uh, if you see Last Blood, send your thoughts to three x three at quarter to three dot com by midnight <laughs> Pacific on September twenty second. We'll read those on the air. And in the meantime, be thinking about scenes where children are tucked into bed. It's a staple of a lot of movies. What are some notable ones? Let us know at 3x3 at quarter to 3.com. Get those to us by September 29th, midnight Pacific, and we'll include those in our 3x3 episode. So I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Molzinski. It's Christian Morosky. And Kelly Wand. But the was how I thought when I took the Kennedy. Kristen Stewart's the only Snow White I tip my hat to. I know you like her because your first names are similar. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Oregai 6? Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Dingus, I miss your set on me from when we were at the second Hobbit movie and the spiders killed what's-his-face. Kelly, I'm so proud of you.